seems like every winter um, the snow gets on some kind of cycle. And my experience uh, in the church and experience in ministry is that that cycle either comes on Sundays or Wednesdays. <laughs> never Monday, Tuesday, never Thursday, Friday. It seems like it always falls in one of those. Well, I guess we're hitting that Sunday cycle here. Uh, luckily, I think that'll be later this afternoon and this evening till we get into the Either the fun stuff or the terrible stuff, depending on what your view of snow is. So uh, I know some of you thoroughly enjoy that. So good for you. <laughs> well, to start this morning, I want you to um, think about what was your favorite or most meaningful gift that you got for Christmas. You decide how you want to figure that out, uh, whether that's spending time with family, whether that's a, a thing that you were given because of what it meant to you, or it's just something you really wanted. But what was your favorite or most meaningful gift that you got for Christmas? And what made it so? Why was it your favorite? Why did it have that meaning for you? Now, we're kind of a small group this morning. Anyone care to just briefly, in 60 seconds, share what was your favorite gift? Just yell. Just being with my family, finally seeing Boston and we're all grown up and family time is great. All right, Jan, thank you for sharing with, being with your family. You don't always get to spend that time. All right, delicious meal that your husband cooked. Did it, was it a delicious meal or was it a meal that your husband cooked? It was both. All right, even better. Good job, Roy. Those are good, good. I'm sure maybe many of us could echo the, the family, sharing uh, good time and good fellowship uh, with one another. I want you to hold on to that. Hold on to those things that were, uh, those gifts, those things that were so important and meaningful to you. As we take a look at our text this morning, would you pray with me? Jesus, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you. Would you be speaking and moving and prompting in our hearts? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning we're going to be taking a look at this passage from 1 Corinthians. This is a letter that Paul writes to the church in Corinth. It's one of a series of letters. Uh, we best, our best guess is this is at least the second letter that Paul writes uh, to Corinth. We call it 1 Corinthians because it's the first letter that we have, that we've kept, that we've had preserved through the Spirit and through the church uh, for us. But we know that Paul wrote a previous letter and spent time with these folks in Corinth. And, and Paul writes this letter to the Corinthians because there's some issues, there's some things that he needs to address. And, and this is addressing a specific issue. And so we're going to jump right into our text. Paul writes, now concerning spiritual gifts, 
brothers and sisters. Uh, Literally, what he's saying is now concerning spiritual things or spiritual people. And our, our translation is providing some interpretation for us. He writes to the Corinthian church uh, believers who um, think that they have life and spirituality pretty well figured out. What has happened in, in the development of this Corinthian church is it's, it's kind of been established and built by, by Paul, but they think they're beyond Paul now. Paul's had his, his way of teaching and his way of preaching, and they've kinda, they feel like they've grown beyond that, and they're, they're ready for a more dynamic speaker, a more dynamic presence than what Paul has. And, and so they feel like they're moving on. They've, they've gotten a little bit puffed up. Uh, some of them think that they're past Paul's unimpressive preaching and teaching. They're far more sophisticated than what Paul Paul is bringing to them. So it's interesting then that Paul says in the next line, I do not want you to be uninformed, or I do not want you to be ignorant. One commentator suggests that the Corinthians may have been boasting about their spiritual aptitude. They have this spiritual connection to God. They're speaking in this heavenly language. They have this special, unique uh, connection to who God is. And this is evidence throughout the letter to the Corinthians. It points to the idea that the Corinthians did not think of themselves as uninformed or ignorant. And so when Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant, it kind of is a little jab there from Paul. Paul's kind of slipping this in to say, you're actually ignorant of some spiritual things and what spiritual people do and specifically of spiritual gifts. It says, you, you know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit ever says, let Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. That very proclamation to say, Jesus is Lord, is a God-breathed, God-inspired proclamation, confession of faith. And then Paul jumps into the specifics that he wants to address here in chapter 12. He says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. Paul, in his different letters to different churches, has different lists of spiritual gifts. Uh, Another one that is prominent is in Romans chapter 12. Uh, We also uh, read about some spiritual gifts, some some motivating factors in Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul writes about uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher, people that are there to to guide and inspire and help um, lead the church on. I'm not sure that Paul ever intends to give us a complete list between Romans and here in 1 Corinthians. I don't think Paul's ever trying to give us the whole list of spiritual gifts, and you need to pick which one is yours. I've taken, how many of you have taken some kind of spiritual gifts inventory at some point? 
You, you've taken a test. It's kind of like the Myers and Briggs test or something like that. And, and you look at what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, and maybe what are your spiritual gifts. That's fine. That's good. That's, that can be a really helpful tool. But I don't know that Paul is ever trying to cover all of them in these lists. Sometimes these lists are, are talked about as things that, that motivate us. But God gives us gifts. God prompts us. God moves in our lives in different ways. Paul says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. This is the, the common thread that gets woven between all of the times that Paul talks about spiritual gifts. Different ways that, that God moves in our lives, different ways that the, the Spirit prompts us through the things that we're good at, through our talents and our, our, our strengths and our shortcomings. Those are all kind of tied into our spiritual gifts. But the thing that is woven between all of these passages on spiritual gifts is that the gifts are given to the church for mutual benefit, for the building up of the church or the common good. No spiritual gift, talents, or abilities are given to someone because God loves that person more. Or maybe you're not gifted in a way that someone else is, but that's not because God loves you less and God loves someone else more. Of course, there's folks with much deeper insight into spiritual gifts than I do. But I have tended to believe that spiritual gifts have to do with the way our personalities are, our, our talents and our passions, and then just something or some way that God's Spirit is, is moving and, and tying that all together and inspiring and breathing into who you are using your unique traits, your unique story, your, your unique talents and, and passions, and God is breathing into that, infusing that with something, tying it all together. And that is a, a gift to the church, a gift for building others up, a gift for calling folks to follow Jesus. And if they're done for the common good, mutual benefit in the building up of his church. To one, Paul writes, to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, or another the discernment of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. I've often, especially when I was kind of new to reading through the Corinthians, you know, I, what's this? tongues thing, some kind of speaking in a, in a, in a heavenly language. Uh, some traditions really practice this as, as, as a part of their, their time of worship, um, and that, that can be a beautiful thing. I've, I've never really experienced it with the, the whole church involved in that, um, but I think that can be a, a beautiful thing if there's someone there to help you understand and interpret what's happening. <laughs> Again, I'm not sure that Paul intends this as an exhaustive list, and we have to, to pick from one of these. The evidence is that the Corinthians prided themselves on the ability to speak some kind of heavenly language. But those that didn't, did this seemed to take pride in it. 
they, they took pride in the fact that they could speak God's language. They could speak the angel's language. And, and, and so they felt like, you know, maybe God had specially blessed them. God loved them a little bit extra. They think they're better than others who didn't share this language. A little bit later in Paul's letter, he will tell them that without love, without it being done for the common good, the building up of the church, without love as the center of what they're doing and of their practice, they're just an annoying sound. Paul says a, a clanging symbol, just this loud, ah. Because they're doing it out of pride. They're, they're doing it because they think they're special. They're not doing it to build up the church, to bring others to follow Jesus. Paul then will write, All these are activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. He's talking about lots of different gifts. Lots, we're, we all have different talents all have different abilities, all have different insights. We all have different stories that are a part of who we are, shape who we are. And, and, and that's a beautiful thing that we come together as one body. Lots of different people that make up the church, each with different abilities, talents, stories, hang-ups, flaws, quirks, all of what makes us an individual. But one spirit. One resource says, one personal motivating energy from God who brings it together and breathes life into us for the glory of God and our neighbor's good. I want you to think about the folks in this room or the, the folks that help make up Spring Creek Church of the Brethren. And think about the ways that you see them using their abilities their talents, their knowledge, their insight to build up the church. Just think about the way that you've interacted with people here and, and how you see people using those gifts. Now following the service, I want to encourage you to say something to them, to thank them for using those gifts. Or uh, if they're not here this morning, send them a text. Or if you're at home this morning, uh, pull out your phone following the service and, and text someone uh, and, and just thank them for, for using those gifts, using those abilities to build up the church. This is a part of what makes being part of a congregation such a beautiful thing is that I can't do it all on my own and you can't do it all on your own, but we are called together as a body, as a group of people to build one another up, to use those insights, to use those gifts, to use those talents, to bring our individual stories together to form something more beautiful. Now think back to your favorite gift for a moment. Thing that was, or that experience that was so important. Now, I could ask you to, to see it if it's an object. I could say, man, can, can I see this, this thing that's so important to you? Or we might ask, why was that so meaningful to you? 
Or we might like to see you use it. Uh, one of the things Jameson asked for was, was a, a bow and arrow. And I don't know what we were thinking, uh, but we bought a bow and arrow. And not the suction dart, you know, kind. Um, it's got a, a little metal tip on it, so, you know, no one's had an eye shot out yet. So, uh. but, but the purpose of that gift was not to put it on a wall and display it. It's not really that beautiful as far as a, a display piece goes. It was intended to be used it was intended to get him outside, to get him active, to practice, to, to enjoy doing that. To use the gift. Some reason when we start talking about spiritual gifts, suddenly people are afraid to talk about it and they're afraid to use it or they say, I don't have that gift or I don't have a gift and that. And I don't know if that's, you know, brethren, humility, we don't want to talk about what we're good at, or I, I don't know what it is. But oftentimes we kind of clam up and we, and we don't want to share who we are and how God has wired us with the wider body. I don't know if it's that we're afraid to get involved or we're afraid of what my, others might think, or I don't have that gift, I don't have that talent. But this gifting, this unique mix of who you are and God's breath upon you is a unique combination. Something beautifully combined for the common good and building up of the church. And we want to see it. We want to see it. We don't want you to just hang on to it and and, and never use those gifts, abilities, talents, insight. What makes the church beautiful is when we're coming together, growing together, using those gifts, talents, abilities together. You know, over our uh, Alm family quarantine in this last week, uh, as Katie and I started to feel a little bit better, uh, Katie brought out a puzzle. We don't always have a puzzle going, but she wanted to do something new, and you know we've been stuck in the house, had been stuck in the house, so she pulled out a puzzle. And it was mostly, if I'm being generous, it was mostly Katie and I. It was mostly Katie who was putting this puzzle together. But there were a couple times that we were working on this puzzle together, and we were each working on different parts of the puzzle. Now, what would it have been like if one of us would have found a piece for the part that the other one was working on, and we just kind of slid it off the table and hid that piece? I should have tried it. She was working on the flower part or the puzzle part, uh, the, uh, the uh, puddle part, and, and I was kind of working on the roof part for a while. What would it have been like if Katie would have said, ah, I found a, a roof part, but you know, it's just a roof. It's just a, well, it, does, it, doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. I'm just going to hold on to it. We would have finished the puzzle and we would have said, what? It's incomplete. There's a hole. There's a part missing. 
Folks, our church is a puzzle. And I don't just mean that sometimes we do puzzling things. That's probably true and probably a conversation for another Sunday. But imagine our church is a puzzle. A picture of our congregation, a picture of the body of Christ that meets at Spring Creek. But sometimes we have parts of our puzzle that folks decide isn't important. Sometimes we don't think that we're holding on to a piece of that puzzle. And as we start to put these pieces together, we end up with holes. We end up with incomplete picture. We, we, we're missing something. It means our puzzle, our picture, our church, the body of Christ is incomplete. This morning I want to invite you, if you need an invitation, to share your piece of the puzzle with the body. To share your unique blend of talents, insights, story, flaws, quirks with the body of Christ. We need your piece of the puzzle. I also want you to to think about how you see others using their unique blend of spiritual gifts around the body at Spring Creek and thank them. It's good to build up one another. It's good to encourage one another and to really see one another, to see what's going on. If we are really trying to be a people who are growing, sharing, serving, connected by Jesus, then we need to be able to see how God has spiritually gifted our body here. We need to be so motivated by our love for God and our love for one another that we're willing to work together, to share our lives together, to share our talents, our gifts Together, share with one another. Don't slide that puzzle piece off the table and hide it. We need you to be a part of this. We need your part to have a, a fuller picture of who God has wired us to be as a congregation. May it be so. I'm going to invite your response this morning. You can stand and turn in your brown hymnal to number 221. The words will also be on the screen. Would you rise in body or spirit?